Hi, this is Arik. And Aurelia. And we're here to talk about life and interesting things. Or so we think, but we let you be the judge of that. Either way, the things that we have to talk about are... Ageless! So, welcome to episode 5 of our Ageless podcast. Really excited to be here with you today, even though we're still in quarantine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, So today, actually... We have a series of questions that uh, I have actually picked at random that we can talk about. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of these questions, uh, I think, have been inspired by episodes one through four. Okay. So I think anybody who's listening, if you, if you like some of these questions or you want to you know, listen to episodes one through four to get a little bit more context um, about where these questions are coming from, or it's just always kind of like a good bookmark. Like now we're doing a Q&A episode and that's kind of not covering everything we talked about in episodes one through four, but you can go back and kind of say, oh, we talked about that. And, you know, you can go back and see. So I think it's kind of interesting to look at the organization with that. Mm. So let's just jump right in. Before, Actually, before I begin, Aurelia... Do you have any questions? I mean, you're always being asked the questions, and I just thought with the Q&A, we should open it up to you if you have any questions. Hmm. Actually, no, because mm-hmm. you know how it is with me. I mm, Everything to me is always just good the way it is. I mm-hmm. don't have any questions that I carry around with me. It's if I have a question, I also usually instantly get the answer. Mm-hmm. That's just how that works with me. And as usual, I don't think I have anything to say. And this is why I'm grateful that you are asking me questions because otherwise, you know, I never talk. Yeah. Well, we know. Yeah, I think that's really great. And um, really like how when I'm working with your questions that from the tarot and the archetypes or uh, as I'm working and doing my teachings and whatnot, um, the question in my experience is more important than the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's really worked so great because without the question, there is no answer None. Mm -mm. and it's just wisdom but it's not even wisdom because it's just there. It's like, nothing. It has yeah. no context. So it doesn't belong to anything. It would be like uh, random ramblings. Yeah. So with that said, we welcome your questions. And I'm going to get in with the first one here. And it says, and these are just chosen at random. And it says, how do can you like people who don't like you? Or that you don't like. Hmm. That's kind of a difficult question to answer for me because it doesn't have a clear framework. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have to go a little bit further. So it's I have about to frameworks say, then. yeah. So what is that then? What's that about? Well, first of all, it's like, what does it mean, you know, people that don't like me? Mm -hmm. Is it like a fact, like a person that stands in front of me and says, hey, I don't like you. And so it's a fact or... So I guess then maybe one way to answer that or what I hear you saying, it's kind of like, take a step back and just, you don't know if somebody likes you or not. No, so that's why I'm trying to, you know, set the different frameworks for my different answers. Uh So for that part, like if somebody actually stands in front of me and says, you know, I don't like you, then it depends. That would still mean, you know, I could like this person a lot, you know, like this is also what's called like unrequited love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's often that... You know, you have a crush on somebody and sadly that person does not reciprocate. That's so. really interesting because I, I just uh, wrote about that in this week's horoscope actually or something that are, I can't really remember exactly with all the things going mm. on but it's like if if you love somebody 
but maybe they don't love you or if you're not or if you're not even entirely sure that you love them mm. is that this unrequited love that you're talking about no this is like just uh you know i think i love a person but that person doesn't love me or like me like mm. in in response to that question oh my god you once said to me because you know this is just personal experience i have to and like this is stuck with me for ever someone was you know just <laughs> you know really just kind of like telling you how they are in so much love with this other person but like really like in this way that's just kind of like boasting you know or i don't even know if it was boasting and you know i i i remember you know i was part of that conversation i think and and then you know just like whatever and then you know we got in the car and then you said to me yeah you know i think that's really great that that she loves him so much or that he loves her so much or whatever i can't remember exactly how you said it no that's how you said it you were so you, you know it was like that's really great that he loves her so much cuz the guy was telling you how much this girl loves him but the question is does she love him back and i just like that was just like do you remember that no i yeah, i would tell you off air but it was but it was but it was just so interesting because i never thought about that because when people are like oh i'm so in love you know like you know disney movies and stuff like oh i'm so in love i met my princess and you know whatever or i met my prince and i'm like i'm so in love and then it's like yeah but does the princess or does the prince love you back mm yeah so which brings us back to the question yeah. you know what if you know you like somebody or you love somebody and they do not like or love you and mm -hmm. so how do i do that that i still like them mm -hmm. well i personally i like them because liking somebody or loving somebody you know this is good for me and for me it's like i may not like somebody oh in this generality oh i like this person and then it makes me very blind to who they really are or i just whitewash who they are but i can say mm, or make them something they're not yeah i like the mm. way this person handled uh, their situation I really mm -hmm. like it a lot I like it how this person was friendly to this woman that needed help across the street or you know I like these things I pick situations or things that I like about the person and we can I would assume nobody knows somebody who is entirely evil I hope so mm -hmm. none of our listeners go there like somebody who really has not one likable quality right but so either way these are the qualities that i like mm -hmm. and that's what i pick out and so i do not care if they like me or not mm -hmm. because it's like it's good for them if they like me i do not need to be liked by them i only need to like people now does that mean that i have to be friends with all of them no Mm -hmm. this is this is this is actually bringing up more questions with with the answer i mean it's like so you you can you can like somebody but you don't have to be friends with them that's correct but i think most people think that if they like someone or if they that they have to be friends with them hmm how can you like somebody and not want to be friends with them? It's like I just said, you know, I... You have to understand what friendship choose. actually is. Yes, friendship like a, is like being in a relationship. It's not just like, oh, yeah, here's my... Like, in the old day, like, MySpace, like, I have so many friends. Now they're followers because yeah. they're not necessarily friends anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's just call it what it is. You yes. know, we're not friends. Yes. We're followers. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, like, when I still had Facebook, like, right when it came out. I mean, 
I do not know when I started. I know I stopped in 2008. Oh my God, and so. you get likes. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Well, but in the beginning, you know, you wanted to be friends. And I remember that actually my BFF mm-hmm. asked me if I wanted to be her friend on Facebook. And I just, I said, no, I declined it. Mm-hmm. And she was so upset about it. Yeah. And I said, don't you think this is weird? I mean, you are my real-time friend. Why would I want to be labeled like that on social mm-hmm. media? Especially because you never even really used it. No. Mm-hmm. But either way, like, that's my It's hard point. to use. It is, um, you know, all these words have pretty much lost their meaning. You're right. And so like share. coming back to the question, mm-hmm. well, how do I like somebody who doesn't like me? Mm-hmm. I think I answered that. And does this go beyond it? No, it does not. Because as you said so nicely, then in order to like somebody, it has to be mutual in when it should become a relationship. Now, if this is then a friendship. Yeah, or it has to be mutual. A romantic relationship or... Even in a business relationship, it has to be mutual. I stand firm that one cannot do business or long-term business with somebody where, you know, there is nothing you like about the other person. That you cannot do business with them. You cannot have a relationship. Well, I mean, I know that I've learned that from you that, and I think that I speak for the rest of, you know, ego, mind, and just, you know, the... The, the human mind that if you don't like something about somebody, you kind of just forget about all the good things about them. Like it's really easy to just focus on what's wrong with those people. Mm-hmm. And then like to then if someone sees you in that way and they're just saying like all the things you've done wrong and this and that, not even just wrong, but that, that they don't like about you. Then I, the way I understand you saying is like, well, I don't need to sink down to that level to ignorance and, okay. and, and judgment because then I'm blinding myself. But I say, no, I can still like this person, but I don't have to be friends with them. So me liking them is not putting me in a position where I have to now be friends with them. That's correct. And I have, and I actually, I have learned that from you. It's been really a long road for me, mm. like to, to be able to do that, but it's made the world of a difference. And so I can only say anybody who's listening to this, it's absolutely possible mm-hmm. to do that. Like I, I, it is really possible to do that. I would also, I would not be able to conduct business with mm-hmm. people because it's like, there's like, there's just people you're going to mm-hmm. encounter that you just don't like or that don't like you but that's not all of them and i know it's um like very fancy these days because i see it like everywhere that how to be more likable because you know like you get like all this good advice you know to become more likable to people well i really have to discourage all of you listening to this podcast because you know, becoming more likable. Yeah. What it really means is, you know, bend over backwards to do what you think other people want. Yeah, and, and betray the people that actually do like you. Because there is no way that you can behave to make yourself more likable. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, we should all abide by the basic rules of, you know, extending human dignity to everybody and to be kind and, and friendly. But that's where it stops. And again, this Mm -hmm. is like, it's good for me if I do that. This is like, you know, really, really selfish moment of kindness. Like all these things, they are good for me. Nice. And so I do that for me. I am not um, kind so that you like me. Yeah. So... If you read this anywhere, see this anywhere on YouTube, I really encourage you to step away from that idea. Yeah. Because, I mean, here we're trying to do all this work to become less codependent, and then, you know, it becomes so fashionable to be more likable. You just become a Stepford wife. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. No, just work on yourself to be kind and respect everybody yeah. and don't care than if somebody else thinks you're likable or not. Because, you know, if what they think about you, as always, speaks volumes about them. Right. And nothing about yourself. And also, everybody's not just one thing. There are many different moving parts to every person. Cool. 
All right. So the next question I have for you is: Can you please talk about the difference between compassion and pity? Hmm. That was my water bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well. The easy way to answer that is compassion is about equanimity and pity is uh, like a system where I am better than somebody else. What's equanimity? That's well said, by the way, but what's equanimity for? Like equanimity is like where everything is equal. Okay. Like where I am equal to the person I have compassion for, I mean, for example. Right, exactly, because I think the way that I understand equanimity is that it equanimity doesn't mean equal. Mm-mm. It equanimity means that the the same laws are applied. Yes. So I I know that a lot of misunderstandings with equanimity is like, okay, so this person gets five dollars and this person gets five dollars and this person gets five dollars, but no, it's really dependent upon the merit. Yeah. Or the fate, or yeah. the karma, you know, for the, you know, Hindu word. Like, that it's really like, okay, no, actually, this person gets what they is depending on their merit, or their fate, or their karma, right? So that's either five dollars, five cents, or five million. That's right. And this person gets five dollars, this one gets five cents, that one gets five million, that one gets five dollars. Mm-hmm. And this is all equanimity. Mm-hmm. And but the ego mind, I think, sees it as... One's better than the other. Oh, and then that's the pity. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we go back like to really just in the compassion, then that would mean, in these terms of equanimity, that um, if I see a person in a certain situation that is seems to be unpleasant for them... Whether mm-hmm. I think that it's unpleasant or not, you know, this is could be totally different. But I observe them to be in a situation that seems to be unpleasant for them, or in other words, you know, where they the express that they are suffering. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I have compassion for their suffering, not for this situation. Now, if I would have uh, pity I would have I'm almost 100% certain of that Mm -hmm. Um, I would have an opinion to the situation where they find themselves in and I'm secretly happy that I'm not in that situation because I judge the situation as bad (gasps) well I that's intense I can't even Oh, like good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like not even in relation to me, but just in relation to the mm. un- everything. Good or bad would always be in relation to me. So this is pity. You know, I pity somebody because I judge their situation as bad. And it has to be in relation... Oh, because you're the one judging. Yeah. So it's in relation... Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought of the story of the caterpillar. Yeah, that's a beautiful you know, story. It's like the the story of the caterpillar that's... Do you want to tell it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Where, um, like, uh, the man sees the pupa. It's actually it's beyond the caterpillar at this point. Like a pupa that tries to get out of its cocoon. Mm. and a person you know we would call it a do-gooder but Mm. you know the person thought it would be doing good Mm -hmm. because it had a lot of pity for the struggle and the fight of a do-gooder it's the identity of the do-gooder that's coming up uh uh-huh interesting of, of that you know pupa trying to get out of its cocoon because it was struggling and as I said before, um, this is probably the person putting themselves into that situation. 
how horrible it would be if they had to suffer in a situation where they're oh so they're just you know like they would maybe want stuck to... and whether they would somebody want them to help them you know I mean, this is interpretation. This is not part of the story, but I think it right. fits well, and the story might be well known anyhow because then the well known our, but always needed to be heard. Oh, thank you. Our do gooder mm-hmm. then goes ahead and very very carefully, you know, clips the poop uh, the cocoon open so that the pupa can emerge to become to be the butterfly. Mm-hmm. And feels so good because, you know, it had so much pity on this did a good being deed. and did a good deed and it feels all great. However, that butterfly never flew because that struggle to get out of the cocoon is what's needed for the future butterfly to have its wing really, really strong so that then it can master flying. Yeah. So, now that pitying, that being, struggling, I think is a very, very good example for what we said, that like pity is always very personal. It has nothing to do with equanimity. It's meddling with the universe. It's meddling in a way, whereas if I have compassion, then if I just stay with that example, then I have so much compassion for that struggle that this being is now going through, but knowing that, um, you know, there is this all good of the universe. Yeah. That it will have its meaning and that I maybe just not know what it is. Yeah. And I know that this is uh, the razor's edge to walk because I can already hear people saying, well, you know, this is a very cold attitude and, 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 and. I can see that too, like everything, it can be abused, you know, it yeah. can be, I do not want to help, and so thereby, I just take what's called the high road, and say, well, I'm so compassionate. That's pity. But really, I just... Uh, that's yes. already pity, because exactly. you do want to help, and yes. that's how you help, Yes. by not meddling. Yes. Because, like, you know, kids, you know, they, they fall, they need to learn that, you know... They can pick themselves back up and then they get stronger. Or like, that's why we have growing pains. You don't stop someone from growing because they have growing pains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. you that's know? exactly true. But how can you have compassion for the, the suffering, the person, but not the situation? Because that's what you said, right? Like, you have compassion for... The suffering of the being. The suffering of the being, but not for the situation. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, oh, I understand what you're yeah. saying. That makes sense. And also because for me, um, or do you want to answer that no. for the listeners? Okay. Because <laughs> like for me, compassion is like, I'm passionate and like, I am a companion. Like I am a companion and I'm very passionate and I'm like, yeah, you know, you can do this little butterfly. Like, woohoo, yeah, you're going to, you're going to yeah. do it. I'm not going to touch it, touch it. But like with pity, Oh, and like, and with compassion, like I'm not personal, but with mm-hmm. pity, I'm personal yes. because we talked about that. Mm-hmm. like, I think episode one mm-hmm. where it's like, you cannot be compassionate and personal. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, because if I'm personal, I have an investment in that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, this has something to do with the infamous me. me. <laughs> this is all about me. You guys wait, mm-hmm. don't you know? This, I saw this suffering. Listen to me, because I saw the suffering. Don't you think it's interesting? <laughs> I better have your attention, because guess what? Suffering sells the news. Yeah, that too. That's you know? sad, of course. So, listen to me, because I can hold mm. attention of people if I'm talking about other people's misery, mm. or even better, my own, God mm. forbid. So anyhow, very interesting. Yeah, and if I would pity you for that attitude, then I would feel better because Mm -hmm. I don't do that. But if I have compassion for the cause of this attitude, then that's different. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very interesting. Well, that is a nice way of explaining it without oversimplifying it. Okay, the next question before our break is, does forgiveness mean reopening the door? 
So wow. I can I ask I, I have to say something like right away to this question. Okay, you do and I take a sip of water. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Um uh with uh, reopening the door, I guess this is saying a door's been closed, so I think then maybe forgiveness wasn't really established in the first place. Because like what is this door? I really do not know and because I did not ask that question, I cannot really speak for the person who mm-hmm. asked. Uh, my answer to that is way worse. Tell me. Because anybody who has been to any of my classes knows my famous saying that, you know, forgiveness is the high horse of the victim. I have no idea what that means. Okay, mm-hmm. well, then it's something that's maybe nice to contemplate. Mm-hmm. First of all, who am I to forgive anything? That means I have not taken responsibility for my part in the situation. Okay, what needs to be forgiven? I have, I swear to God, never forgiven anyone for anything in my life. So you hold grudges then? No, my God, no. Why would I hold grudges? So then what, so then what, so you don't need to forgive? It's not for me to forgive. I have to take responsibility for my part in situations that maybe were stressful or maybe that were painful even or, Mm -hmm. you know, fights or... You know, traditionally or uh, contemporarily, forgiveness is like, it's okay. You know, like someone wrongs you and you don't hold it against them. You know, you don't hate them for it. You don't, you don't like lose trust with them. Like these kinds of things. You forgive them. I may lose trust with them and still, you know, don't hold a grudge. You know, Aurelia, I find that extremely respectable. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because like, okay, I need to really get into this, but like, I think sometimes people will forgive and then they think that they give the person trust, but they really don't. So they're not really forgiving. Now, my understanding of forgiveness, I just put it out there, is that if someone does something to me, remember, it's all about me, mm-hmm. um, and I want to forgive them, right? Then what I do, and I always do this actually, because I, I cannot not forgive somebody in this, in this definition of forgiveness, which I'm about to share, is that I have compassion or understanding. I don't even want to say compassion because this means so many things, but like I see and understand the framework that they're operating within And I understand that they are like the rat in the maze and that's all they can do. And you know, if they accidentally spit on me or whatever on me, like it has nothing to do with me. Like that's their reality. And I accept that and I understand that and I forgive them for their understand their context well so like I, I totally agree with you with everything you say until you come to the part and i forgive them because for me it stops where you understand the framework and then there's nothing to be forgiven but that is forgiveness what and then my understanding of forgiveness because like i'm giving them that space for them to be in their stuff yeah, and that's why it's the high horse of the victim. Who are you to give them space for their stuff? But even if they don't do anything to me, like this is a this is like a constant. <laughs> yeah. This is like a constant attitude that you have to let people remember. Episode one, let them spin. Definitely. That's that's basically what I, that's my understanding of forgiveness. Not like I absolve you of your sins. You know, he'll say fifty Hail Marys or whatever, and and you know. I want to get into all that atonement stuff maybe in another episode, but like, 
or actually, no, maybe I can bring it up now, like atonement and forgiveness, you know, like forgive me. No, atone. That's right. Because it's not for me to forgive anything. Mm -hmm. It's not for me to grant you the space or anything. No. If I say like in, um, you know, the number one podcast that we did, let them spin in their reality. Yeah. Well, then, you know, that means it's nothing to me either way. It's like it comes, they do what they do. Yeah. And so there's nothing to be forgiven. So that whole concept of forgiveness, no matter what you say your ethnic situation is, is just simply wrong. Yeah. It's simply wrong because it makes me better than the person who supposedly wronged me. Right. You know, and once again, from that perspective, I'm not taking responsibility for my part because somehow there must have been something that triggered this in this person. And then there's nothing to forgive. And there's nothing mm. to be forgiven. Once again, I can just say, well, you know, we're not a match. It's almost like... You know, cheat me once, shame on you. Cheat me twice, shame on yes. me. And then the, because you had your part in that, like, yes. it's like, okay, why was I in this situation? Why did this person attack me? You know, this person, and then the person might, and then if you want to keep that person, oh, because this is about the door then. Yeah. So if you want to, so if someone betrays you, for example, and then the first time it happens, then, okay, whoa, like the ideal way is then to say, I need to forgive myself of anything, mm -hmm. you know, like, yes. okay, what, so what is my part in this? Mm -hmm. And then resolve that. Yes. And then they betray you again. But if you really took responsibility, they can't, excuse me, they cannot betray they me. They cannot again. betray you again. Even if they did, if they display the same behavior, mm -hmm. I will feel not betrayed because I've already seen that, been there, done that. My thing is, wow, I have compassion for that. You know, this person still spins in that reality where they think, you know, they can hurt me or betray me or blah, 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 blah. So as long or not. as they can, like as long as I still feel that I am hurt by their behavior, I still have an investment. They, uh, they And for me, it's like with people who have ever betrayed me or hurt me or treated me poorly, it's like... I take responsibility for my part and I will only stop taking responsibility once I ha have nothing for and nothing against that person. Yeah. Like once my attitude towards that person is neutral. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. So I, I guess like if someone trespasses you, let's just call it that way, mm -hmm. then you get sucked into that reality with that person, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you can't, and in, it's only in there where then you can have like this forgiveness, like where then you think you can pass that forgiveness. Like it's basically a power struggle, mm -hmm. you know, where you say like, Oh yeah, I forgive you, but now you owe me one basically. Mm -hmm. But like, because I'm so much better than you basically. Yeah. That's what that means. The pity. Yeah, because but, I but you. Yeah, but then, it, you know, it circles around. But then I think what happens is is that then when you get sucked into that, then you're stuck in that small world. Yeah. And you will notice you'll be hypersensitive to every, every single trespass, real or imagined, from that person. Mm -hmm. But if you can take responsibility and get neutral, mm -hmm. then you're out of that that circle and then you know again they're operating in their reality and you're not in it mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't like there's no arrow there's there's no trespass nothing because that was like a stepping stone for you to move on and for you to evolve yes 100 and that's the me 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 in the best sense yeah. of the word and in my experience, and it is that these people, they just disappear. Now, if yeah. it is something, let's say, like a family member or something like that, you know, it can be a little bit more difficult, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Because it still can be, you know, well... Different I just realities. Yeah, I just, you know, don't have anything to do 
with that person anymore, even though it's technically, you know, my sister or my brother. Or yeah, I, I can speak to that. I mean, like, I really <clears throat> feel in my heart that I've never been able to not forgive somebody. Like, I mean, maybe... I, I feel in my heart what you're saying is true. Thank you. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I know it's true. I And I also know that, like, I think there's only been, like, maybe one instance where I have not been able to forgive somebody, but I, I think I'm just realizing it right now in this moment that it's about forgive, like, this quote-unquote, like, quote-unquote forgiveness. Mm. So I think this is really amazing. Because mm. I can see then how someone gets stuck in that whirlpool of, you know, wrongness. <coughs> mm. It's okay. Yeah, because for me, it's like, okay, somebody's doing something to me that doesn't sit well with me. Now, real or imagined. Yeah. Fact is that I'm way better served to look into when have I engaged in that behavior Mm-hmm. And then take care of that. Then go onto the high horse and say, oh my God, but I forgive you. Beautiful. Okay, let's take a short break and then we will come back with uh, the rest of the questions. This episode is brought to you by Aurelia Essential Oils. Since 1991, wellness for you and everyone around you. And I'm spraying some Air Fresh Spritz Aromatique right now and sending it your way. Enjoy. Okay, we are back and we are talking about our interesting things. And thank you everybody who have submitted your question. I'm sorry that we cannot get to all of them in today's episode, but let's just jump right into the next one. And it's, how do we develop intuition and learn to connect to inner self and the higher self? Or like... Slash higher self. Inner self, higher self. Okay. Well, once again, the very simple basic answer is we all have our intuition fully developed. We are all connected to our inner self and higher self. The problem is that, you know, most of us do not react to the promptings of our intuition and thereby totally disregard the guidance of our inner or higher self. So, I mean, how many times have in, you in hindsight have said, oh, man, you know, I knew that. I felt that. I should have done that. But I discarded it. I just did it the other day. Yeah, well, here you have it. Mm-hmm. And you are one of the most intuitive people that I know. Hmm. So, for example, is my sister. Mm-hmm. She's very, very intuitive. How often does she tell me that? Oh, my God, I heard that little voice and I just I didn't believe it. So I, I didn't act on it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to like, be better with acting upon your intuitive insights... Mm-hmm. Just shut up this critical voice. Mm-hmm. It says, like, you get this first insight. It's usually very spontaneous. Yeah. And it may be just a small little voice, but it's loud and clear for everybody. You know, I just did that the other day, too, and I was right. Yeah. You know, I actually, I, I, I can totally relate to that because... I have been listening more and more to that voice. Like, for me, it's like taking these risks. I'm just kind of like, okay, let's be risky and let's just do it. And also, let's create it because yes. that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that more and more, believe it and it's been right. Yes. Like with this corona. Mm-hmm. It was 100% like that. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is because you said that magic word, like, I have to take risks. And yes. This it's is, about the risk. Yeah, and the you ego don't does be, no, not like risk. And so yep, the intuitive no, voice and the ego voice will be forever at war because the ego voice just goes by what it knows, what it thinks it is safe, mm-hmm. but mostly what it knows. Yeah. And so intuition 
Usually, and, and it's, it's a, all and, out of the box. And it's a cheap date because what it knows can be something that it read five seconds ago. <laughs> That's funny. It doesn't it's have to be true. wooed. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I read that. It's real. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And intuition it takes a while. And I can also, from personal experience, I can just contribute that the more you listen to that cheap date ego chatter, the louder it gets over mm-hmm. intuition. Yes. It's like, it's not just like, oh, I did that. And then there's no consequence. <laughs> consequence is it gets louder and then you won't even hear the intuition anymore. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to take a word for that. I, I don't believe that, that you don't hear it. I think you will still hear it, but the acting the upon it will be harder and harder the and risk. harder. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, every time, like, you allow the doubting, screaming ego voice to have its way, you actually give the energy that was meant for you so that you could act upon what the intuition suggests. This energy then goes straight to the ego. Mm -hmm. And so every time we ignore our intuition... We actually feed the ego. Yeah. It's kind of really sad. Thank God for those full moon virtual rituals Mm -hmm. and vessel building. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nice. So 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 it's about the risk. Take the risk. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, like I said, being in touch with your higher self or your inner self, it is a given, but it's the, the same answer. It is, you know, there is a lot of energy that connects us to our inner self. If we wouldn't be connected to that, we would be like a demon or a piece of clay, you know. It's like, so we are connected to that. Mm -hmm. But all the amazing amount of energy that is available for us to act as a puppet on a string of our higher self, you know, go straight to the ego. Yeah. So, and that's also, that's really sad. But just stay with the intuition because that is really easy to grasp because the voice of the intuition is actually the bridge to the guide to the higher self. So, I think this is more graspable. Yeah, beautiful. All right. And then what's going on in the world? I would think the same thing that's always going on in the world. That's enough. That's okay. Well <laughs> Just now, it's a little bit more apparent to the to the average mind. Than, That's right. Because like through social media, world. you know, we're all yeah. connected, and with not only social media but media, media. I mean, you know, there's also like people don't know that, but there's spiritual pandemic all the time. All the time. You know, but now yeah. it's like because there's like a virus, it's like a big deal. But like seriously, like we should be wearing like etheric masks. And, you know, taking care, like, there's, like, spiritual wars and spiritual flus and spiritual viruses, like, all the, not even spiritual, but also mental and emotional and, you know, all these invisible realms. Mm. Yeah, I know. So it's just more of that. Yeah. And it just, this, this moment, it looks like a coronavirus, you know, and... All things considered, we can be happy that it's not a third world war where, you know, our loved ones die on the battlefield. Yeah, nice. Well said. You know, I think the most important thing is that, as I've written in my forecast and whatnot, it's like just cultivate gratitude. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be victimized by what's going on. Mm -hmm. Just really be grateful. Mm Mm-hmm. That, for example, it's not a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yes, the economy is on, like, um, on pause. But then also that's nothing really different. I mean, I'm sad to say, but there is always... I mean, if there is a seesaw, then we call it economy. That's how it is. It's right. always and up flow. and down, ebb yeah. and flow. And some people always lose their fortune and others always make it. I mean, this is just, this is the way of our material existence. And so this is why it is so important to not put all of our eggs into that basket of the material world. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. And for the last question, 
It says, does karma come faster when you're on the spiritual path? Yes. Okay. Like, karma, um, the more immediate, if we call karma, like, as the law of action and reaction, you know, like, then the immediate karma uh, is a sign of your evolvement on the spiritual path. Like the instant karma. Instant karma would be a totally amazing. That means oh, yeah. you are really, really f uh, fast evolved. Uh, before you said that, I was just going to say, I feel like that happens to me, Blaine Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, then you're very, very lucky. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's like negative thought. Bam, you hit the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same with me, actually, also, you know, I said something that maybe others wouldn't even think that this was negative because I talked about um, a person, actually about the bakery in our house, you know, mm -hmm. where uh, the person who owns that bakery is like a really arrogant person, and that is true, and I have like proof of that, and yeah. So, however, I talked about this to a third person. Right. And this technically makes it evil speech. Yes. And this is never right. Right. And uh, guess what? Ten hours later, I lost a tooth. Beautiful. And though, I mean, you know, it's been like a crown, so it's not the end of the world. But, yeah. yes, it's Beautiful. that was instant. Beautiful. And I knew it instantly in that moment. I felt the tooth to get loose and that, oh, shit. It's because I talked about this man and... Mm -hmm. You know, but the the image the the image that always just makes me laugh, like whenever my ego is being like really pathetic, mm -hmm. is the character from Defending Your Life, like the Albert Brooks. Oh, you know, like yeah. to me, like when they're going through his life, and I'm just like sometimes I'm watching those scenes, like you know, we watch it every year, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Just to kind of like you know get remind, with it, remind ourselves, like what are we all here doing? Uh -huh. And when there's some of those scenes that they're going through his life, and you know how, like, you watch a movie and you always see something new. Yes. Like, watching movies again mm -hmm. is an amazing experience. Yes. Either way, I digress. Sometimes those scenes when he's acting just like an, like this victimized ego-opportunist maniac, mm -hmm. I just, I have to laugh, but because as you were talking now, I... You know, that identity was, like, popping up saying, well, then why would I want to do this spiritual path? I'd rather just defer my karma and live a normal life. Yeah. But of course not. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to appear spiritual, but mm -hmm. maybe I don't really want to be spiritual. Well, and for me, it looks like that, that, you know, this is really... Just very, very good because the moment I have instant karma, that means that I don't have this uh, mountain of karma on my back that I'm schlepping around. And right. you know, I'm not saying that I'm free of karma, even though, you know, maybe I am. Who knows? Mm -hmm. All I know is that I rather am losing a tooth now than, you know, lifetimes later mm -hmm. uh, being a very, very arrogant person and, you know, having to suffer Being all kinds, yeah, all kinds of, of horrific things until I wake up to some, you know, humility. Yeah. I don't know, but... Uh, no, I, 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 I'm not even kidding. Sometimes when I'm doing healing balancings... Mm -hmm. It can take me up to, I'm not even kidding, 10 sessions before an opening is created. Mm. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, so much of this mountain energy that you're talking mm -hmm. about, like on a specific subject or something, mm -hmm. someone says, you know, I need more money or I want a happy relationship or, you know, that this health concern or that health concern ever. It's like, okay, it, am I willing and able to receive the healing? Not no. ready. Mm -hmm. So it has to remove so much of this, these shells. Yeah. And it helps the person each time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know, just removing mm -hmm. that. But the core issue has not been addressed because yeah. that karma has not been um, 
confront it. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And like, you know, that Albert Brooks, I mean, not mm-hmm. really Albert Brooks, yeah, but that, I forget uh-huh. his name in the movie, even though I've seen it mm-hmm. so many times. Daniel, I think. I have no idea. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, oh no, I think I was thinking it was a doubtfire. He's Daniel. Oh, it doesn't matter. And watch the movie yourself. What? Yeah. You tell us. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it, you know, he's totally shutting up, but it, it's just like deferring it is not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is also so beautiful in the movie because he wants to defer it until he f- he finds something that's worth dealing with it at the moment. And he that's wants his her. soulmate. You, yeah, oh, he meant his soulmate. 100%. And then, you know, he is willing to give up that deferment. You know, he was all ready and willing to go and try again and okay, whatever. But then he says, no, like without her, that's really not happening. Well, I can attest to that because that's totally what I did and it's totally worth it. You know, I had to really work on so much of my shells and the fate in order to be with you. And I did that and it was just totally amazing because otherwise, you know, I could have totally gotten by just, you know. Well, oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) But now I sit here with my beautiful wife. She's missing her tooth. We're dealing with our karma. I love it. (laughs) But like, I I can totally attest to that. It's like, you know, no, like you really want that soulmate. And so, no, I'm Mm -hmm. willing to take those risks and just go into oblivion. And I remember in one of your teachings, like you, like this was one of your questions, I think for the tower tarot, it's like, are you willing to be dipped into oblivion yeah. and made into nothing? And I was like, my instant response and my constant response and my unwavering response was yes. Mm. And there you're, you know, very much alone with that answer. No problem with like, that. Most people are so scared of that question alone. Mm-hmm. Like the idea to be dipped into oblivion or be totally then forgotten because you know what is oblivion? You forget yourself, and so does everybody else. That's like so horrifying. And what's to horrifying the, you know. to me is the idea of not having oblivion. Yep. Because some things should just be there. Yep. And with that said, thank you for answering the questions, and mm. thank you guys for listening to question. Uh, mm. You know, proposing the questions. And this has been Arik. And Aurelia. And you've just listened to an episode of... Ageless. Ageless. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Wherever you want to listen to it, you can find it. Take care, everybody, and please be safe. Bye! Bye.